0: alright Tyler alright Johnny you like you too don't you we're alright then you might like Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads
1: So as the strains of burning down the house die away, it's time for us, the boys from Review 2, to go on another tumult journey. How are you today, Johnny?
0: I'm good. The sun is out and there's no better place to be than sat in my little studio room talking to you over the internet.
1: (laughs) You don't want me to be in the same room then?
0: Not if possible. Right, okay. I'll remember that when lockdown ends. (laughs) Speaking of us talking together over the internet... I just want to take our listeners back in time a little bit to our Christmas show to listen to the very moment when this DVD slash Blu-ray slash concert film landed in my lap and in my life and changed my musical listening habits forever. So let's go back, back in time and listen to that moment. i
1: Fort
0: Knox's present. And it's... I did, I did wrap that one. It's Stop Making Sense, a film by Jonathan Demme and Talking Heads. And it's a DVD release of um of a gig by the hit band Talking Heads that Tyler and I have been talking about on, uh, covering on Tummel for a long time. And I presume this is because you want to do this on Tummel at some point.
1: Yeah, you can't get out of it now. We've announced it. Uh, it's happening season three... Will be, uh, will be coming out next month. Um, one The only thing, the only episode that I think that Johnny's ever really had a bit of a problem with uh, as a suggestion is this mm. DVD Stop Making Sense. Now, I think this is an amazing DVD. I think it uh, deconstructs the live show. I think it's, there's a lot to talk about, and I think there's a lot of great tunes in there <laughs> by a very, very great band. And so I know that as soon as John puts this this Blu-ray... Blu-ray, not DVD, Blu-ray oh. Oh. In, into his uh, PS4, he'll fall in love with it too. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's a little spoiler for uh, Tummel Season 3.
0: It's making me laugh, because not only does it say E, exempt from classification, which makes me sound like it was X-rated or something, which I'm sure it wasn't, um, but it's got this. It says... <laughs> He says, maybe I just find this funny. The film's legendary opening sees an enigmatic frontman, David Byrne, walk onto an empty stage and launch into a mesmerising stripped-back rendition of Psycho Killer. With each new song, another band member joins him until the talking heads are complete and Byrne takes to the stage in his iconic big suit. That's so... Yeah. <laughs> so the iconic thing about the lead singer of this, David Byrne, is that he has a big suit. Nothing funny, though. Jesus, I mean, like people call you too gimmicky for having a big lemon, but a big—at least a lemon's a statement. Just a large suit, man can't dress himself.
1: It's <laughs> amazing that all all those all those years ago in December 2020 that they were still recording podcasts. It, just, it seems like a very new invention.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed, and that moment, uh, you can probably hear a little bit of my uh, bewilderment or kind of. Hesitancy that I had when Tyler suggested this. When Tyler and I sat down, or you know, had a chat about what things we wanted to do, this kept coming up for Tyler, and I kept saying it was a bad idea. The reason for that is because I didn't know much Talking Heads, and I thought, why are we doing a whole concert film? Why not just do one of their albums? That's the the usual tumble outline. But my hands are up, Tyler. I was completely wrong. You were right. This is one of the very few times I'm going to say that, so bask in it right now.
1: Thank you. I mean, you did, because we, we have talked about this album briefly. Um, we, we we did a watch along together yeah, uh, recently. It really to actually, yeah, it was. it was. And you actually said to me, which is something I've never heard you say in, a, well, I've known you, I'm 31 now. We've known each other 18 years, right? Mm-hmm. And for the first time in 18 years, you said to me, I'm 30 now. So 17 years. Right. So the, for the first time in 17 years...
0: Let me get inside track uh, by the age issue. Go on, go on.
1: <laughs> well, it, it was so traumatic turning 30 that um, I, I, do, I really do want to get it right. I don't want to add years to me. What a but year for the first to turn time, 30. Shut up. For the first time in 17 years, you said to me, Tyler, I feel like for the, this is a band that you actually introduced me to. And that is a badge that I'm very happy to wear because I, I think just with you being older and... Um, wiser. Uh, not wiser, you're an idiot. But I just think that there was... there's a I do look to you as somebody that might like music that I like. So for me to introduce a band like Talking Heads to you is um, quite an achievement for me.
0: Yeah. And do you know who else likes Talking Heads? Your friend and mine, Mr. Bono Vox. So, connections between Talking Heads and U2. We're not going to take too long with these. U2 supported Talking Heads very early on in their career, and this is documented on Bono's 60th list, the letters that he wrote to the bands that he loves and that defined and saved his life, according to Bono. So, um, he writes, Dear Talking Heads, and he, he he picks a track which I I isn't that great, I don't think. It, Love goes uh, to Building on Fire. Sorry Talking Heads fans, um, but it's not one of my favorites. And he says, Dear Talking Heads, I think this came out in a compilation, New Wave. It certainly never made it to a Talking Heads original studio album. So he picks a kind of an obscure track. And he goes on and talks about how um, he saw them playing on the old Grey Whistle Test when they sounded like a bit, a bit like a punk band, but also more New Wave. They had a kind of energy that no one else had. And uh, this is a relevant bit. Um, where he says, uh, David, your character development made, makes quite an arch from your tremulous voice debuting here to the bitter irony and dancing joy of the gigantic meta performer you became in the film Stop Making Sense. All those experiments later. Whoa. So, um, and he also says, thank you for letting you two support you on uh, our very first tour of the UK. That was a very big break for us, your opening act, Bono. So, quite a close connection there. And I think what we're going to realise as we go through this is just how much influence, not just Talking Heads in general, but this one concert film had. I mean, there's various points, wouldn't you agree, where you can say there is a direct line from that to you two's live act, Tyler?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, and it doesn't stop the, uh, obviously mm-hmm. this is a review to podcast, and um, that's why we link everything to you too. But, if, if you've never seen this, I, I feel stupid like, like, as if as if no one's ever seen this, because I feel like I was the last person on the planet to watch this DVD, this, this live show. Well, second to so, last. Yeah, so I feel like uh, like an absolute idiot trying to talked to other people who saw this 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whenever. But it's so obvious that it had a huge impact on... Not a big enough impact, I don't think, but it had a huge impact on the way people put live shows together. Particularly people who have energetic, fun shows. Mm. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of those as we go along. But the last thing I want to talk about before we actually get into the review is... Um, the reason this DVD entered my life was this time last year, lockdown was very, very new, and I asked on Twitter for suggestions of live shows that I should buy on Blu-ray DVD or download or watch on YouTube. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of great suggestions. And Gareth, who we, who we did meet in Manchester, yep. suggested stop making sense. And I can't thank Gareth enough. He did he, he did suggest quite a few shows that i have now grown to love and do watch a lot uh so big shout out to gareth thank you very much for following the podcast all these years and thank you very much for bringing stop making sense into my life
0: yeah i would also say thanks for that because i feel like this is this is taken you know one of the top five positions of any live gig i've ever seen you two included it's so good and i think me and tyler are going to be very enthusiastic all the way through even though as we will say right at the start we are not big talking heads fans it feels like i'm just starting i've been listening to remain in light all this week um but it feels like we're just started on our not road to nowhere but uh road to somewhere with talking heads i think this is familiar i think this is familiar
1: territory now for us johnny because every time um, it happens yeah, the the Patty Smith episode. We both felt like we didn't know anything about Patty Smith. That's big. That's big. Be, been a huge success. That episode. So many people have listened to that. We want to thank everybody for that. Um, so many new listeners to the podcast just from 2021. So um, yeah, that's that's amazing. I was a bit shocked when I looked at the stats recently.
0: Yeah, people are actually listening, which is which is fantastic.
1: <laughs> I don't understand it, but I'm very happy that it's yeah, uh, that it's happening.
0: Aboard. Uh, Last thing I wanted to say, um, I did some hunting through U2 by U2 and there are a couple of references to Talking Heads, but apart from that initial support slot, um, these are mainly just references or paths crossing but not really significantly interacting. Obviously, Brian Eno is a fundamental force in both Talking Heads and U2's sound, so that's important and he's mentioned around about the time the Unforgettable Fire stuff starts getting going, which is basically around about this time uh, that Stop Making Sense was filmed. But this was the most interesting bit to me. And think about, as I read this very short um, quote from Edge, think about how U2 history could have been different were things slightly changed. So I'm just going to read something from Edge. And he's talking about the filming of Rattle and Hum and the conception of Rattle and Home. So just have a listen to this. The original idea was to make a low-budget film and release it in a limited number of theatres and make it a kind of fan-based event. We talked to quite a few directors... Jonathan Demi, I don't know if it's Dem or Demi. I think it's Demi, but whatever. Jonathan Demi, amongst them. We'd love to stop making sense, which he had made with Talking Heads. Phil Jonu was the youngest director we talked to with the least extensive CV, but he was a bit of a ten- technical wunderkind who knew so much about the band and his enthusiasm was inspiring. We didn't really put much of a plan or script together. We just thought we would start documenting the tour in six, 16mm black and white and see where we would get to. And reading that, I felt... Both fascinated and kind of crushed in a way, because I really wish, based on this, that Jonathan Demi, had done this rather than Phil uh, Jonu, because we all know what a steaming pile uh, Ratlin Hum can be in places, and how much of a flop it was. And this is so much better than Ratlin Hum. Sorry, you two fans, it, it, but it, it really it, is. I'm
1: not going to I'm not going to start this debate now, but it has got its f- uh, fans and ardent defenders. So uh, hold hold thy tongue.
0: And we enjoy it, so shut up. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I just think, imagine Rattle and Hum done by this director. I think that's an interesting experiment to think about. But um, without further ado, we don't need to do a chart this week, do we?
1: No, this is not your standard edition of Tummel, where we normally do a chart. We're just going to go straight into the show. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on stage, Talking
0: Talking Heads. <laughs> And the first person that enters is just David Byrne himself because the band is not assembled in its entirety. Um, there's this idea of assembling and putting together the show and he strolls on, casual as you like, and says, oh, I've got a tape that I want to play and hits play. <laughs> and obviously that's a um, that's a backing track. I don't think that boombox is working that hard.
1: I see. I didn't know about that. But do you remember what the, f- the very first shot is after the, the opening credits finish? his shoes it, it is his, his shoes his plimp soles um yeah. and I, I i just i found that very interesting i don't know why um <laughs> but there was something about these, these very very white shoes walking yeah. on stage there's some something very kind of hypnotic there's a lot in this show that's very hypnotic but that that really grabbed me uh the first track of course uh, reminds me of my uh, ex girlfriend psycho killer um so <laughs> That sounds like a so, Les
0: Dawson joke, but you know it's not uh, about a mother-in-law. But, it's about an ex-girlfriend. The, 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 this this first try reminds me of my ex-girlfriend. It's called Psycho Killer. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and I think the this maybe I guess as we've mentioned the clothing, this is time to mention the fact that David Byrne was apparently quite insistent that the band were when they do get on stage wore pastel colours. You know, something that was quite plain that wouldn't draw attention, and it's such a weird <laughs> um, a weird film in terms of is this a rock performance is it a deconstruction or a construction of a rock performance like it's uh, there's so many ways to interpret it and it's i think talking hands without sounding like the most pretentious uh whatever insert expletive here i think they are a very intelligent band and they make choices that are fascinating
1: yes they really do this is all performance though i'd say it seems like, like I wanted to talk about how okay, th- like I do with Bono. This is Bono without any persona, without any get-up or anything like that. And I feel like, and I don't, nor- do you know what I normally call that, Johnny?
0: You normally call it naked Bono,
1: nude Bono, nude Bono. All right, okay, nude Bono. Right. Fan. So I was looking. I was looking. I went. I went to this DVD looking for some nude David, but there isn't any. Um, if anything, there's... he gets
0: less nude later on.
1: That's true that's true there's there's just one thing the the really interesting thing of this, and I think I've actually just worked out why I like the idea of the shoes um <laughs> but maybe I'll come back to that There's only one thing to focus on at this point it's a very there's no there's no stage set there's nothing there's some ladders, some scaffold in the background. Mm-hmm. I was also wondering how much practicality that stuff has there, or is it all design yeah. and, I, and i and I don't know I can't decide but <clears throat> The only thing to focus on on stage is David Byrne. That's really interesting because there's nothing else going on. Mm. And normally with a live gig, or what people are used to seeing with live gigs, is the last person who comes on stage is the singer. Everybody else comes on first. Yep. If you if you watch um, even someone like Britney Spears or Madonna, they'll they'll start. The music will start before they ascend to the to the stage. And we've seen that many times in rock concerts as well. Yep. So, th- this for me is right from the very beginning, completely ripping up the rule book of what a, a concert should be, what you expect from a concert.
0: And also, if you turn up and you think, and maybe someone knows the set list and they say they're going to play Psycho Killer, you expect, yeah, the band to kick it off. It'd be, I mean, because it's quite a, a strong, um, powerful, catchy song, Psycho Killer. but... It's weird that they begin with a stripped back version um of this song and it's a great version I I I love the um the the guitar the way it's interpreted in that sort of way I I miss Weymouth's bass because that's such a great thing on the original track but it it's such a great version this and um it's there's so many influences I can draw from this and I, I don't know how direct this is but um Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails um, they also do a kind of version of this where, you know, they're constructing the stage as it goes on. Then, I can't remember what, exactly what performance it is, but very similar thing where you literally have Trent out at the front. He gets given a guitar. Then, you know, before you know it, you get a keyboard, another keyboard, some drums turning up. And it's. I, I find it really effective. I love it.
1: Yeah, it. You, you're just in. You're right in the. Um, instead of having a big elaborate stage set where there's lots of different things to to look at, yeah, you f- you re- you just get so used to focusing in on on David Byrne and that for me I, I don't know why it works so well but it it really really does. Um, just I will just finish my point about the shoes. I've just I have just figured out why I like it. <laughs> that idea of walking onto the stage, that that transition from the person to the character the performer mm. um i that is a transition that i suppose very few people can actually talk about on the on the level that, that these guys are at um and i think that i think that's why i like that set it's the ju- it's that journey the 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 travelling between the the two mental states i suppose yeah
0: that's that's an interesting way of thinking about it um last thing i want to say about this is i love the the breaks at the end where he goes all wobbly and um kind of flies around the stage um he's 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 (laughs) such a great performer he's so physical throughout this possibly one of the best physical front men i've seen but in a really interesting way like there's obvious physical performers i'm not saying bad but obvious ones like i mean far from it like freddie mercury uh, uh bruce dickinson fantastic performers very very physical but in a way you might expect whereas this is all the way through he's he's like a mime at one point there's yeah
1: yeah i also feel like if you'd have seen the show the next night or a week later he would have hit the exact same marks i feel like he's that kind of performer where he it's you are going to see the show that he wants to put on but he's so in control. And he really knows what he's doing, and a lot of this looks really loose. And that's it's really hard to perform something when you know exact, exactly what's happening next and that you've got to hit certain marks at certain times. But he makes it seem so authentic and so real. They all do, in fact, but there's only one person on stage currently. Uh, and before we get into the next track, I just want to say how pressured must the stage hands be? right now <laughs> yeah when the when you know when the wheel in different bits of kit out um i just i just I, I i was kind of obsessed i was like they must be absolutely bricking it oh yeah the the bricking their britches i'll say <laughs> um
0: just to draw an analogy that you might draw um i think watching this you know the idea of it looking chaotic or looking spontaneous but obviously it's so tightly in control. I guess it's a bit like watching two fantastically well um two fantastically proficient wrestlers, you know, doing their best. It's a similar sort of vibe. Like a bad wrestler will just it will look sloppy and it will be sloppy. Another bad wrestler it'll look very stagey and look a bit crap and wooden. This is hits that speed uh, that sweet spot where there's a flow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and one one person, one stagehand could ruin this. They could ruin the the progress. Yeah. They could ruin the uh, the build in in um, uh, tension and anticipation. So
0: I'm basically saying I, I, that uh, David Byrne is like the rock here. He's like the rock, and who should come out next <laughs> to help him? But Triple H herself, Tina Weymouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's my link that I'm making. Yeah, this next song reminds me of my ex girlfriend, Heaven. um <laughs>
1: David, uh, so yeah, D- Tina Weymouth. I mean, I, I I had to look Tina Weymouth up. She's now seventy, um, but my God, uh, that's a that's a good looking woman, <laughs> and it's um, in a very strange kinda... outfit. Yes, yeah, uh, it's um, this this whole this whole concert is very strange. But Tina, I was very impressed by Tina Weymouth, very very capable bassist. Yeah, um, and the second person on stage, that must be. Um, Again, very nerve. There's a lot of nerve wrackingness about this. That's what I kept coming back to in the early parts of this gig. And there's also ghost vocals um, by Marbury. Uh, mm. I, I've only really put the surname there like an absolute fool. Uh, where, where have we got? Uh, Lynn Marbury is on backing vocals in this song. Thanks,
0: Lynn. Um yeah, I know it's that this time round. Um it'd be funny if, if David Byrne said that at the end. Um yeah, so um yeah, it, I know it's that this time round. Um and, and it really helps support what is obviously still a very simple performance. No two songs in, still no drums. Um and yeah, Tina Weymouth, um, odd outfit aside, is so she makes it look so easy what she's doing all the way through. But um, such an underrated bassist, I would say. And um, this, it's difficult because some bassists do take a backseat, okay? Um, Just like some rhythm guitarists do, some lead guitarists do. But um, she's front and center in so many of what, so many parts of what makes Talking Heads great. Um, I remember this was the first time I'd ever heard Heaven um, when I watched this on The Watch Along With You. And that's the same for a lot of these songs. Um, And I was just so struck by that line, heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. It's such an interesting line, that, because it sounds almost like an epic song, this, and it's called heaven. But then he's making this interesting point of how interesting would heaven actually be if it is just bliss all the time? What would that be like? I mean, what is life or any kind of existence without conflict?
1: Well, yeah, I I agree. I didn't know if you were going to go down this route. No, I went um, with many
0: songs because I don't know the lyrics, and they're so weird. The lyrics for Talking Heads mostly that I've not got. I can't form an idea of the songs, um, but I just find it interesting that.
1: Yeah, what what? Uh, you had a much stronger reaction to the lyrics. I'm, I, I I I really can't see the wood for the trees through a lot of this this DVD. So I. Strangely, strangely for me, I don't know a lot of the lyrics. I don't focus on the lyrics. I'm I'm watching the whole performance, the whole thing, yep. and it's magical. Uh, maybe when, once I get more used to it, I'll I'll be able to really dissect this, that, and the other, and the, the bass lines and the lyrics and um, mel- different melodies that are going on. But the whole, the is the ensemble thing is what's really attracting me. Yep. Uh, but I found I thought I thought that was a really interesting point because i think you said to me at the time that um that's a really powerful message in a really in a simple song yeah and there are there are a lot of songs that are trying to say what this song is doing and re- they really kind of miss the mark um mm.
0: I, I didn't have that reaction to the song really i don't have many Uh, in-depth things to talk about the lyrics which is which is i mean this is a performance isn't it and i think talking heads the lyrics are so interesting but what my experience of um, listening to them over this past month or so and this has been another one of those times where we've scheduled this and then i've said can we just put it back a bit so i can get more used to the songs um i find that with talking heads you don't follow the lyrics like you would do in a lot of other songs or conventional pop songs it's more like you're listening and grooving along or bobbing your head and then there's just such a strange lyric that that jumps out to you. So I I think these are interesting, but we're not going to do much of a deconstruction of the lyrics. Um, do you think Heaven sounds a bit like Heroes? That's my only point I've got to say about this song, apart apart from all that stuff. No. Oh well, does anyone? But
1: only only big only maybe maybe people do. Let us know on Twitter um, at review underscore you two. No, at rev underscore u two. I should know that by now. Five <laughs> years in, God. <laughs> But uh, I rate Heroes really highly. Probably one of the top five songs ever written by anybody. So, um, and I, I don't have the same reaction to Heaven. Yeah, it's not. But it is very. It is very good. It's not criticism. It, it just good.
0: reminded me about it. That's that's all. I guess it has an epic quality, and some of the chord progressions seemed like to be reminiscent. I'm not in any way saying it's a it's a rip off. Um, so, I mean, do you want to do your introduction for this for this next song?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, so track number three. Thank you for sending me an angel. Um, so energetic, this song. Oh, I thought you were going um, to talk about
0: your, your your past girlfriend again. I thought that was a perfect uh, title for you to, to do that joke again. I'm glad we're not revisiting it every single time.
1: You, you obviously didn't meet my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so <laughs> I should just say, I've not just recently broken up with, some, with someone and this is a bitter, bitter of A t- tirade. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. It's just I don't have a lot to say about. It. Thank you for sending me an angel because it it was what, I was really trying to watch this and write notes, but the whole thing is so mesmerizing. Yeah. Very captivating. Um. It, it, it's really and it also during heaven, there's this very very long close up shot of the drums being wheeled out. Yep. And it it's it is a sensory overload kind of thing. Mm. Um. Which we won't keep talking about Zoo TV, but I ju- just there's 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 not a lot, but so much going on in this in these um, these shots and the very good shots and it it's shot like a movie. It's, I don't I wouldn't say this is shot like a concert. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, yeah, not certainly not conventionally. I mean, this is I mean usually we expect concert footage to be shot, and you think of. You know Glastonbury, um, but it is more filmic than any other gig that I've seen. It's beautifully shot, yeah. and I don't think you miss the audience. I, it's nice when you see them right at the end, but I don't miss them at any point, which is very surprising because some gigs, you need to see the crowd. I mean, imagine if Slain had been shot like this. It would not be the right sort of thing, but this is perfect. No,
1: this is kind of the opposite to Slain because in, uh, with Slain or shows that I generally prefer the it, it's from the audience's point of view this if anything when the audience is shown is always from the band's point of view yeah maybe may, maybe not always but from what i've noticed that that's the reversal that they've chosen to do with this one um and I, I, you know i'm not going to criticize it because it works mm. it it really does work um chris france on drums
0: yeah and um, uh, this this is interesting because as we said before david byrne told everyone that they had to wear neutral colored clothing and i loved reading the wikipedia on this because it says david byrne implored the band to wear neutral colored clothing so the stage lights would not illuminate anything too distinctive however drummer chris france can still be seen wearing a turquoise colored polo shirt and I think, oh, he, he likes to live on the edge, does Chris France. You know, he's he's looking at his wardrobe. He's got, you know, peach, maybe like a very light blue. But then he reaches for that, that bold turquoise colour and says, Do you know what, screw you, David Byrne. I'm the drummer. I make my own decisions.
1: You can't hide the profits forever. That's all I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this song. I like it. I'm glad we've got the drums on and it seems to work because it's, it's such a drum-based song. It's so rhythmically focused on the drums. Um, so yeah, like it.
1: Yeah, and uh, everything is adding to it. At no point do you feel like, oh god, I wish the drums were, here, or I wish the bassist was here. It's like everything comes in at the right time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and th- uh, and. So you you never feel like you're without anything, but when something does turn, it's like oh, I'm, I'm really I'm really glad you're ready for the next. But it's expertly put together in that
0: way, mm, so well paced. And speaking of which, um, yeah. we then have uh, Jerry Harrison joining for Found a Job. He turns up um, to add an extra guitar, and all the way. Through, I mean, we're not obviously going to note it, note every single switch of an instrument, but um, this is the the no, key four not. members now, isn't it on stage? I
1: believe so i believe so let's say so but in in no way my favorite four members
0: <laughs> but the four <laughs> the four core members and i think you can get that from you know the cover of remaining yeah. light um and again apologies to any talking heads fans that uh, I think we're missing the nuances or we're just saying wrong things but the cover of remaining light has four members on i assume these are now the four pillars and um the cover of Remain in Light. If, if, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do our standard apology, can we
1: do it properly? Uh, review to long time review to and tumble listeners sing along at home. We don't know anything about you two, and we don't know anything about any other bands. This is all of all just
0: opinion. Yeah.
1: Thank you, everybody.
0: Um, but do you not do you not think that cover of Remain in Light? Um, it reminds you of pop. I'll have to take a second glance. Although I guess to be fair, I mean, um, uh, to be fair. Having the four members' heads in a kind of distinct, you know, four squares. That I suppose that's not rocket science. I mean, I'm sure that yeah, the Beatles did that, didn't they? For Let It Be. Um, g- mm. Gorillas have done it since. I guess it's not like a major innovation, but it, it did just remind me of that. Um,
1: it, yeah, it's not. It's not. Sorry, I had my my. I was looking round at my pop poster. Um, it yeah, it, it's similar. Yeah, similar. Um, I really kind of like the Brady Brunch. The Brady The Brady Brunch. <laughs> yeah, when the Brainies are all sat down having brunch. The Brady Bunch.
0: Yes. Found a job. This is one of my favourite ones to listen to at the moment. Um I've been listening to a playlist that someone helpfully put together on Spotify that has all of the um all of this live, but also all of the songs, the studio version before it. So um Great playlist to uh, to listen to. I'll, I'll find that and give it a shout out at the end. Um, and this is one of my favourite ones to listen to, the original studio recording. Um, just re- really enjoyable. And I think from this, sh- you get a real sense of the way that talking heads use guitars as percussive instruments as well as, you know, melody makers. It's always like a yeah. going on and it's it's really enjoyable.
1: My only criticism about this song is that there's, it, it f- for me, it, and obviously it, it wants me to feel like uh, it wants to build anticipation, you know, to get to the main point of the show where, where everything is on stage and the stage is built. Yeah. It, it, it wants to create that feeling within me, and it does. But I feel like we could have got the one song sooner. Yeah, fair enough. I don't. I I don't feel like Jerry Harrison needed a song, you know, <laughs> just to introduce himself to the crowd um so yeah i get the the building of anticipation but i'm i'm now ready for the show to start which is just as well because at the end of this song the backdrop curtain comes down and do you now feel that the show this is this is the preamble's over and the show is about to start
0: now we've started now we've started yeah, I think so. Um, the stage is way more busy. Um, still, everyone who's there is in that plain dress, um, which kind of it—it it feels like there's a big mob, but everyone's on the same on the same page. And yeah, as soon as the backing singers come out, that's when I start to think about okay, now we've now we've started with stop making sense.
1: I'm still laughing at uh, Chris France's t-shirt. As uh, I, I want David Byrne to turn round, see that he's wearing turquoise, and go take it off. Take it off right now. You remember we told you planned colours. <laughs> Pastel. I bet. I. I can imagine David Byrne being seething all the way through the show just because he wore a turquoise t-shirt.
0: Yeah. Just stop. Stop yeah. the gig. Stop the gig. What, Chris? What are you playing at? What's that? <laughs> I. I know it's turquoise. What? Yes, turquoise, not neutral. Go and change it. <laughs> Sorry everybody, we're just going to stop the show
1: right there while the drummer goes and changes his t-shirt. He was warned uh, but th- this might be the final straw for him really. Put the
0: really. drums back. <laughs> Come back, Re- reverse the drums. G- Jerry, go back to... Sorry love. It's
1: such, such a violent reaction we're both having to this turquoise t-shirt.
0: <laughs> I-, I like it. He's I know what I'm buying
1: you for Christmas.
0: Perfect. I'll, you know, I'll rock a turquoise. Not a problem. Um Okay, so uh, slippery people. Um, what do you think about it? Reminds I, I... me of my ex-girlfriend. Oh uh, yeah, I was, I was wondering if this would happen. <laughs> uh, burning, burning down the house is next. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah. Um, this is a real earworm for me. This this um, song, really, really nice, dancey rhythms to it. Almost a kind of Manchester vibe. Um, if that's not too kind of, it's sort of a proto Manchester vibe to me. Um, the kind of rhythms you've got here, I don't think would be out of place in the back of a Happy Mondays um, song, or you know, pick pick whatever Manchester band or act you want to you want to choose. But yeah, love it. Yeah, I mean, this is such a catchy
1: tune, and uh, a kind of the only tune, only a tune that could have been played by a full ensemble cast. Uh, so we've got uh, now on stage, we've got Steve Scales. Uh, percussion, backing vocals, Lynn Marby, backing vocals, Edna Holt, backing vocals, Alex Weir, possibly my new favourite guitarist of all time. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's also on some backing vocals throughout the show. And then we've got Bernie Worrell, Worrell, Worrell on keyboards. Yeah. Um, and this song has been stuck in my head for months, and it must be getting to the point that six months I keep singing... Uh, th- th- this chorus over and over and over again, mm. and it just won't stop. I still look, I still love it, but I- I'm aware that it's been in my head a very long time now.
0: I'm literally thinking about that song as you are talking about it, and I started nodding my head and tapping my foot. Like it's it's so infectious. Um, yeah, the rhythm that line,
1: love from the bottom to that- the top, is yeah, <laughs> it's just so good. It's so catchy, and you really want to sing that. I- that's that's. Beautifully written. It's so well done that you you just you want to go away and learn those lyrics, and you want
0: to be able to sing along with that. I feel like you want to like like when you know when uh the restrictions are lifted and and disco open once more. You know, g- walk into any club that's playing. You know, whatever you know, hip hop and you know all these modern bands and stuff. And you like just sideload over and say to the DJ, just uh, just take <laughs> a look at this. Hand them a cassette, slippery people, and watch the dance floor. You know gingerly but then very enthusiastically come alive
1: well because you left me waiting to record uh for half an hour i was actually going to record a version of me doing this um uh, but you, you asked me to look something up so i, I didn't but uh i i, I yeah may, maybe i'll do that in post and you can slip it in
0: fine, fine by me yeah um i'll put it at the end
1: yeah, um, but the, why why do I love this song? Well, go and watch it. The dancing, the the foot stomp dance, it's wonderfully ridiculous. And Alex Weir just said in the intro, possibly my new favourite guitarist. I've never seen a man more pumped to play bongos. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely incredible, and his energy. I mean, everybody deserves a medal. Um, for, for the energy that they bring to this show, but Alex Weir is second only to David Byrne, I think, throughout this show for the amount of effort and the amount of physicality he puts into his performance.
0: Yes, and I I mean I don't want to take anything away from any of that because I, I, I agree with all of that, definitely, although I, I think there might have been other reasons why everyone was so pumped as well that night. Uh, not making any accusations, but I think there may possibly have been some substances... Um, Imbibed or ingested or taken on board, which is adding to substances
1: it. taken
0: by a rock band in the 80s. I won't believe any of it. No, it's about, yeah, how could that ever happen? But, um, yeah, but that <laughs> that to me takes nothing away from this performance. I mean, if anything, it adds to it, really. I do not endorse any drug taking.
1: No, they're also very, very similar to wrestling in the 80s. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, so we've
1: all seen the ultimate warrior. So. <laughs>
0: Um, so uh, we've now got the full lineup, and we're ready for "Burning Down the House," the song that you heard um, a snippet of in the introduction. Oh my God, this is such a, a joyful one of the best live songs I have ever seen. Um, you can't keep track of where everyone is. Tina's now up on the back playing keys. When when did that happen? It's is this when
1: she's now in the
0: shorts? No, I, I don't think. I think she ends up wearing like some sort of leg warmer skirt thing yeah she
1: had some she had some like tights with like with dots on them Uh, and i and i felt like that was very um modern i thought that was a newer thing you know i was surprised that but then again i suppose you can have anything made for stage work i'm surprised maybe i'm wrong
0: maybe maybe i don't know as much about tights as um as people think i'm surprised uh david byrne let those dots go past his rigorous wardrobe um embargo you know and anything but um I guess she snuck you yeah. Um I also had a look at the... Um, I was watching this and... Um, on the YouTube uh, version, like the best version that I could find of it, they've said uh, the film was hailed by Leonard Moulton as one of the great rock movies ever made. Um, the finest concert film ever, according to Chris, uh, According to Robert Christo, Um While Pauline Cale of New York said it was close to perfection. But also it says that um, the film... And I, I assume this is true... The film is the first made entirely using digital audio techniques. And it's I think this is probably the best song to um to look at in terms of how incredibly clear every element is. Look at all the different instruments that are on the stage. If you want to listen to any of those bits, you know, that guitar, that guitar, that synth, that bit of percussion, you can tune into it. You can't say that of a lot of performances and the mix. And this is eighty four, isn't it? it
1: yeah, it pioneered. The, it came out in eighty four, so it might. This might have been recorded eighty three. Oh, eighty three December. It pioneered. Yeah, it pioneered the the twenty four track recorder mixer yep. thing. Yep. Um, and that's. I mean, I got. I I happened one of the nights I was in Madison Square Garden watching you two. I happened to sit behind the sound guys, and I don't even know how many inputs that thing had. It was absolutely insane. It was um, the biggest mixer i've ever seen 25 i did actually google it because i was sat close enough to it that i could see what it was called mm. and i googled it and it was, it was you know it was very high priced fun show was it um, uh, <laughs> this, is oh, show. Right, this was before the show this was um you know, this is actually ironically when talking heads was probably playing as part of the the pre-show playlist um but yeah for for the time a 24 track mixer that's that space age
0: yeah and it it holds up doesn't it it
1: it really does um it's it's just you can't watch this without smiling yeah and tapping I along was, i finished work this morning at 8am i went to bed till about midday and then I got up, and I knew that right. I have to properly write some notes because I've been watching the show, but I wanted to write some notes. So I'm I'm doing this on very very little sleep, but I was I was absolutely bouncing watching this. It's just such a fun
0: show. Mm. Uh, regardless of what mood you're in, it will it will brighten your day. And um, I really love uh, David Burns sort of guitar. Him back and forth in with Alex Weir, um, he on his uh, acoustic and um we're on the electric, and just to see like this is so incredibly I know this is almost become a cliche word that I use all the time, but so joyful, like in terms of watching a band who yes, they are tight, they are controlled, there are marks that are going to be hit, and you know that they're professional, but they also look like they're having a really, really good time.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and, and that is infectious. Yeah. That really is infectious. It must have been. I can't imagine how good this would have been. Imagine New York City in 1983 watching this. It would have been like nothing you've ever seen. I watched this in 2020, and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, final question about burning down the house.
0: Do you prefer this or the Tom Jones version? <laughs> I can just. I've never heard it, but I can sort of hear it in my mind. This was a massive hit for Jones in the nineties. I, I, I didn't hear it, um, or at least I can't remember it. I can, I, but I'm almost certain I know how he would sing it. I assume he didn't do a <laughs> spoken word version. Burning
1: down the house. That was a terrible impression. <laughs> Are you alright? You work. got heard it now.
0: <laughs> <Burnin'>
1: down... <laughs> yeah. There's Dawson's back. Yeah. Um,
0: I, yeah, I should
1: work on my Tom Jones.
0: <laughs> well i guess i'll <laughs> i'll stick it I'll, I'll i'll take a bit of time and find a version and stick a little clip in because otherwise it's a bit of a tease for people who've never had the pleasure of hearing uh mr jones have a go at it uh
1: i'll be Tom. Jo- tom jones is international right he's not he's not just big over here
0: uh yeah well i mean he's he was big
1: he was in mars attacks
0: yeah well there you go
1: yeah well um <laughs> so uh, um uh so uh, we're up to track number 7 uh this reminds me of a previous relationship life during wartime <laughs> um ev- uh everybody on stage is creating movement um very different to 6 songs earlier when there was only David Byrne to focus on on stage yep. now everybody's moving it's 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 jumping the sound is incredible it's an absolute masterclass in entertainment, and um, running on the spot while playing any instrument should be stand- this pra- standard practice by now. Yeah, for any band, it because it becomes it does become mesmerizing. Yeah. You just you're just in on the moment. I I I I mean, feel free, go away, try and review this this uh, this this DVD, this concert. Tr- try and write notes while watching this song you will fail miserably
0: yeah I didn't I, I kept being drawn back and away from the notes when we watched it initially when we did our our watch along and um, and look for considering considering um Tyler and I were on laptops looking at each other and then also watching this film. Um, we had a really good time so if you've got a mate or a couple of mates and you want a fun night schedule in a bit of uh, Stop Making Sense, get a drink of whatever sort you want and, um, and just enjoy it, it's so good and yeah, running on the spot and David Byrne doing some of the best um, uncle at a wedding dancing I've ever seen, it's 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 so cool and so uncool at the same time, it's like it it's, it can't exist that level of coolness and uncoolness at the same time but it's um it's really good dancing.
1: It's yeah, just, I I mean I'm I I'd like to assume that everybody has seen this. I really would. I'd like to because I don't I don't know how I didn't see it until you know until thirty years old. This ridiculous. I'm I'm a I'm a I am i am I am have i have called myself a fan of music. Since I was about thirteen years old and it and it took me so long to watch this. I'm a i feel ashamed. <laughs> I feel I feel thoroughly ashamed of myself.
0: Yeah. And you should too, Johnny. Well uh, yeah, uh, apologies to, you know, Messrs, Byrne, Weymouth, uh, France and um what's the last one called? Harrison, yeah. So sorry guys, and everyone else on stage. I'm not gonna go through everyone. But um uh yeah, boy am I glad to have actually seen it eventually. And Messrs Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs. <laughs> Um, You know what that's from, Johnny? It's from Harry Potter. It's from the Marauder's Map. Well done. Yep, there we go. I know a bit about Harry Potter. Um, Well, any more about life during wartime or shall we move on to um, making Flippy Floppy? Arguably the stupidest name song.
1: I don't know. It reminds me of an ex-girlfriend. Maybe it reminds her of you. (laughs) Maybe. Let's not go into that too much. (laughs) Um, um,
0: Yeah, so this sorry if
1: it... i'm enjoying that sorry i'm
0: enjoying that joke way too much <laughs> um sorry if you can hear a, 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 the train in the background there. it just let off a very large horn um again let's not talk about um tyler and his previous relationship so this is where we get into undeniable zoo tv territory uh, you cannot be a youtube fan and not go and watch this and see the link and obviously it's great that you two have taken influence from this but they have these screens in the back they've got three separate screens so obviously not the techno overload that we had in zoo tv but we've got screens in the back with big font on them with arguably irrelevant uh, messages like it says before dinner time late at night it's not the same idea but i don't know how zoo tv would come about without this this version of this of this song
1: I'm going to go into u two defense mode now because I feel like with Tumble in particular, we might have some people listening to the show, and you're very welcome. Uh, but you might not like u two the way that me and Johnny do. I think this is an obvious rip off in Zoo TV. It's an ov- i it, it, they're, they're going for that. They're going for that kind of thing. I think the point is. So you go, oh, they're just ripping off Talking Heads. The I think that's the point of it. Yeah, they're doing it deliberately because it's so on the nose. Um, it just sped up, sped up quite a it's bit. Just turned but up to eleven. I, I don't think. Yeah, I think if you know anything about live music and live concerts, uh, particularly one as as well regarded as this, you would make that connection and you would know that. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say, yes, you two did rip off Talking Heads here but yes they knew they were doing it and yes you are supposed to notice it yeah
0: just like how um, bono you know he is consciously ripping off lou reed and elvis and you know yeah. how many other how many others at the same time that's the point
1: yeah yeah so um i i, I some be- i think I, I think you it's easier to criticize you too if you don't know what they were going for with zoo tv um but it's interesting that zoo tv became so you know regarded as one of the best tours of all time one of the best concerts of all time um i i'd be interesting to see interested to see what normal music fans i e not me and you mm-hmm. would put uh zoo t- would they would they put zoo t v and stop making sense together you know in in this in the same top ten or in the same category for me it's um it, it's obvious but again i'm biased so yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, making Flippy Floppy. We should actually probably talk about the, the song and, and what we see here. Um, I didn't know this song at all, no. but it proves that you don't need to know anything about this band or know any of the songs. If you like having fun and you like going to concerts, you will love this.
0: And it's. Um, do you do you not agree? No, with I know. T- I, I, I said mm, I I I completely agree with that and. It's such an interesting song to listen to, just from the get go. I mean, I, the first thing I wrote down uh, when I'd heard it. I mean, th- some of these notes are literally the first time I'd ever heard these songs, um, and I'd written like the bass is unconventional, but I really enjoy it. And I think you can you can always appreciate something in any of these songs. You don't need to. You can't say, "Oh, well, I don't really know the song, so I'm not. Really, I'm just going to tune out for it." That that doesn't happen with this gig.
1: Yeah, I think. My problem with going into detail, like spotting things like bass lines or certain melodies, is that I've not been listening to this audio only. I've been I've been listening to it when watching the, the concert itself. So if, I think if I did go away, and there is an audio version of the album, if I did do that, if I put it on when I was going for a walk, I think I would find those, those uh, intricate little melodies and... But I—it's I, just the way I've been consuming the album. Yeah. Um. It and 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 uh, completely overloading myself. The difference is if I, if I go and watch Zoo TV, for example, I already knew the songs. Yeah. And then I and then I watch Zoo TV because when I got into U two, it was ten years after the VHS had come out. VHSs weren't a thing anymore, and it was quite hard to get hold of. zoo Zoo tv vhs and it was a few years before zoo tv dvd came out so uh, i i kind of had no choice whereas now most most of these concerts are freely available
0: yeah i mean it's so it's i mean i don't just want to say isn't it great to be in this and you know have this technology but it's pretty decent i was able to get up such a high quality version on on youtube although i think it is if if you like this album you should you should go and buy the blu-ray because it's very very good and the sound is is immense yeah, you're welcome. you're welcome. Oh, yeah, I'll just get a friend to buy you for Christmas and <laughs> buy them a kimono back. <laughs> I do like that kimono. It's kimono weather
1: now as yes. well. So, um, yeah. Uh, okay, so track nine, Swamp. Mm.
0: This one... Wait a minute. Is that Rattle and Hum? Yeah. I put Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum vibes, um, Spotlight. Yeah, very interesting how much influence, again, was it seems to have been taken from this. I really enjoy the way that David Byrne can change his voice, all the different tones to his voice throughout this um, gig really shows off his his range. And I wouldn't say he's obviously like a classically strong singer, um, in the way that you would, uh, you know, your Pavarottis, that kind of thing, Euridians. He's he's not afraid
1: to show the blemishes that his voice voice has, and there's a there's too many singers that. Are afraid to show those blemishes, um, particularly in, in amateur singers, and uh, you know, and some in some cases with pro singers, mm. it's like uh, you, you'll you'll ask them to sing a song and they'll 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 do it to the best. It's almost like they're trying too hard, and they don't relax into the song. And when you relax into the song, you can start to perform the song. And and I you know with with David Byrne, he's obviously very comfortable in his own voice. It's not the best voice in the world but it's very good for talking, you know, for, for the, the songs that he mm.
0: sings and the songs that he writes. He uses that, that tool really, really well. And for this one is is another one of the Earworm songs that just got stuck in my head, that, you know, like, hi, 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 you know, just keeps It really, <laughs> it's so stuck in my head now. And it's not, obviously not just Burn, that bass line is what does it, you know? Yeah. It just goes round and round what and round. Is-
1: what is the most inappropriate moment where that has come into your head? <laughs> um,
0: it just I think just that weirdly like cause I, I'm cycling to work at the moment um, and I, I, yeah every every mo- every every so often I'll get a little snippet of um, David Byrne yeah but in his in his his odd <laughs> uh, odd way of singing this song but it's, that, that, like,
1: that should be our new greeting to each other whenever we see each other we should hey. hi. Hi, hi, hi.
0: <laughs> that'll confuse everyone else there's one guy in the corner who's a talking heads fan who's like
1: yes finally my oh god man i can't i can't wait to see you i can't wait to see you this summer it's coming the return of the tyler <laughs> uh
0: yeah right well um, um yeah well what well what a day that will be and what a day that was is the is the next song um very gothic lighting used in this. Burn shop. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you mentioned the light because that's what I
1: focused on completely. I
0: think they've they've gone through this and ever. They've they've planned it out so well that it's you couldn't not remark on the choices they're making. He looks almost Frankensteinian with this light sort of shooting from underneath him. Um, made me feel a lot like. Uh, I know I'm not trying to just draw links to you 2 like for no reason but they have those um shadows reflected you know on the back of the screens like the scrims that they had in boston in new york it really does remind me of that is that for bullet uh i think those in in new york the you know where they have the, the them playing and you can see like the tall shadows yeah. of them
1: yeah yeah i remember the image i couldn't remember i think the it's
0: i think it's new york But well, obviously, just you've got the spotlight stuff from me. from um, from from Bullet the Blue Sky as well.
1: Yeah, no, I I noticed that. I I I thought in my notes it just says they really use light to give personality to songs, and it changes each time. the The uplight on um, Burns' face here made me feel like he was driving late at night. You know, only going going past. Um, like streetlights, the different reflection, uh, the different uh, way the face can be lit up as, you, as you're driving along. Uh, that that's the so that's the image I had, and I think as the song starts to speed up, it's like he's driving faster. Yeah, and I the the light was telling a story to the music. The light is as much an instrument or a character on stage as any member of the band is here. Um and the only thing I felt that dated this song was
0: the synth. Yeah, I think that's true overall of, of Talking Heads. There's There has been times when I've been listening to the studio version, and I like the synth. I, I think it's incredible. Is it, it's Warrell, the guy who's doing the, doing the synths, isn't it? Uh, Bernie Warrell, yeah. A, an absolute master of the synth, which was obviously a, a different instrument in, in 84. Some might say a more primitive instrument then, but it it does, Yeah, it does sound a bit dated sometimes. But, I mean, look, we're slap-banging in the middle of the 80s. I, th- I think that's that's fair enough. Yeah. Well,
1: had we hit the synth? No, oh, we suppose we had. I suppose synth- 1983 synth was in full force, mm. thanks to Genesis in the 70s. <laughs> On to track 11, Naive Melody. I- I'm just going to say this blew me away in a very unexpected way. I felt like it changed, and I felt like... I don't know what the time signature is on Naive Melody. What what was it actually called? I've got the the track wrong, haven't I, Johnny?
0: Uh, no, you've got, you're just saying the brackets, that's all. It's called This Must Be The Place, brackets Naive Melody. Right, okay. Um, right, so I don't know why I've
1: i done it like that. Maybe because I'm a fool. Um, but this scene... I, do you know how long this song was? Because it seemed to take me on a a, a very... Long journey, well, I th- thoroughly I enjoyable because
0: though. because it's essentially, as far as I can tell, it's one thing that just goes round and round and round. So it's it's not a um, it's not a song that has lots of different sections. I think it sounds like it c- it can just go go on and on really. Um, I think there's a technical name for that, which I think is ostinato, but I, but I might just be getting things wrong there. Um, but groovy baby. But, um, but basically. That incredibly hypnotic da-da, da-da-da, 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 just goes round and round and round. And I remember listening to this song. This was this was um, probably one of th- this and a- so it's only. I've just looked. It's only five minutes twenty four
1: seconds. That's crazy. Yeah. I felt like I was in this like f- this. I really enjoyed it, but it felt like a a, a really long span of time that it took up.
0: Yeah, and it's it's really hypnotic. Um this is one of the ones that I I'd heard, apart from the next song coming up, one of the few ones that I'd heard before I watched this, and I was waiting for this all the way through because I, I just think this is such a such a beautiful song, almost like a perfect love song, in but also quite yeah. unconventional. Um, I'll do a little bit of a quote from from Byrne here because I think this is interesting so he says that it's a love song made up almost completely of non sequiturs phrases that may have had a strong emotional resonance but don't have any narrative qualities it's a real honest kind of love song I don't think I've ever done a real love song before mine always had a sort of reservation or a twist I think that's because as we said talking heads I think there's a kind of an irony that always seems to pervade what they do um, and he says, "I tried to write one that wasn't corny, that didn't sound stupid or lame the way many do. I think I succeeded. I was pretty happy with that. Well, David Byrne, for what it's worth, I think you succeeded as well. And um, it's just such a lovely song. Yeah, it it really is. And
1: there was, there's a, I mean, I mean, I I don't want to say too much because I want people to go and listen. To, I want I want people to experience this the way I experienced it. And." there's an absolutely beautiful shot of the band are kind of grouped together to one side of the stage and Tina Weymouth is playing bass. She's not singing in this one. She And she looks on at uh, Byrne and uh, Ed, Edna Holt and Lynn Mabry and she's just smiling and it's it's just this really... Serene vision of happiness that the, they're all enjoying this this tune and it's quite a it's a, a slow a slower tune than uh, than a lot of the ones that they've mm. played but it's just it's just that moment really encapsulated. I'm going to actually tweet a picture of the moment I'm on about <laughs> and when when we release this episode and it, for me that's this whole gig. It's the this group of people. That that just really really enjoy being around each other and really enjoy what they're doing. They're artistic. They're expressing themselves, and it was it was fantastic. But I did it. I did think maybe she's smiling because she doesn't have to run around the stage at the, for this you have to this run on song. the spot whilst playing uh, a complex bass line. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it just this one out of everything else just took me completely by surprise. Like. Wow, this is a really special band, and these people have a really special connection. And it's a,
0: it's a very elegant, um, elegantly choreographed song with his, you know, dancing with the the light, sh- the the lampshade, which seems quite absurd in some ways, quite surreal. Apparently, this was a reference to Fred Astaire's dance with a coat rack in the film Royal Wedding. <laughs> I have not seen that coat rack dance, but um, to me, it feels like a lot of I I love like old school physical. Um, physical comedy and, you know, just old school physical stuff. Like, it, it reminds me of um, Harpo Marx. It reminds me of Chaplin. It, you know, that that it, that's what it harkens back to, yeah. a real, like, innocent but beautiful um, way of being physical with stuff. And it's it's so cool. Yeah. Cheapest stage prop of all time? <laughs> quite quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Where's that um, lab now?
1: Just... just... <laughs> I bet it's in the museum. It has Unless to be. it
0: started a tour of its own.
1: <laughs> wow, well, you know. First song yeah. off. The lamp and the. Second song on. The lamp and the shades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the enlightenment tour. Um, so, um, kind of reminiscent of the fly's use of the microphone stand at Zoo TV.
0: Yeah, I can see a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, can, I can see a connection, yeah.
1: Sorry, I just reminded I'm laughing now because I just reminded myself of Robin Hood Man in Tights, uh, where Robin Hood says, He's speaking to the villagers and he goes, Are you with me? Yay or nay? Which one means yes? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a movie that's a bit of a zinger, Movie one. <laughs> I,
0: I, I like right. that film. Um, yeah.
1: No to a song we've all heard. Uh, track number 12, Once in a Lifetime.
0: Yes. Um, possibly the. I mean, I guess I don't know actually. What would be the? I suppose it's a bit like with you two It's difficult to say precisely what is. The I biggest think song. It, I
1: think it is Once in a Lifetime. I, I I'm gonna go. I'll go to Spotify actually and see what the the top track on Spotify is. But I
0: I I I reckon fa- it might be Psycho
1: a Killer. Fancy a wager? Though. Fancy a wager before I put it in?
0: Uh, one English pound? Yeah, go on. Asking stretch to that. Talking. I'll say heads.
1: Psycho Killer. Go on. Uh, I'm, well, I'm going once yep. in a lifetime, okay. Uh, you, I owe you a pound. For uh, I almost swore then. Um, amazingly, once in a lifetime is number three, and this must be the place is number two. Yep.
0: Big, big. Story. And I
1: only know this must be the place because I've watched this. So, burning down house number four, and then road to nowhere uh, is number five. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I owe, I owe you a quid. Would you like a bank transfer or just I think, wait until see I last think
0: I owe you a quid from a previous wager, so let's just call it quids. All right. Or call it quids, I guess. Um, ha-ha. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is... this is
1: a, a, a quid for anybody not from England is a pound. Yeah, and uh,
0: a mockney smummit is a peach pie. I'm just talking random English rubbish. Yeah, yep. so this is probably the only song apart from This Must Be The Place That I Knew Like... You know every bit of it beforehand again i'm going to say I, I the note that i've got here is is weymouth is a world-class bassist um and that doesn't mean that you're going hell for leather up and down the neck all the time and doing lots of weird bends and you know tapping and all this other sort of stuff it means being able to create a line that if you play two seconds of it someone knows right that's once in a lifetime you know and it throws you into that world and I, I guess we've got to thank Brian Eno, good old Brian, um, for the way this song sounds and how infectious it is and how how great it sounds sonically. Because it could have been a boring song if done in the wrong hands, I think. Yeah, nothing to do with David Burns. No, a lot, to, a lot to do with, with everyone. I'm sure, but I'm I think sure. Brian Eno was actually, I think yeah. he's actually credited as a writer of this song as well. Yeah, he's he's really good at sitting in the corner reading
1: a magazine while uh, good musicians—not
0: magazines—do um, what they do. Oblique
1: strategy cards. <laughs> mm. uh, so I agree. This. Oh, oh I do, I want to pick you up on something though. You just said that uh, Tina Weymouth is a world class bassist. Now we've done a lot of episodes of review too, and I don't think you've ever described Adam Clayton as a world class bassist. So. Do you prefer Adam Clayton or Tina Weymouth? Um,
0: obviously I prefer Adam and I will also say he's also a world class bassist. It's all, it's all all in good fun um the the poking fun at Adam. Um I, I, he's not as good at bass as I just Fun is it? Right. Okay. Um
1: Adam uses less effects, uh you know, he you, are getting the actual sound of the bass. Well but we'll move yeah. on. Uh we'll move on. Uh, Once in a lifetime was the first song that I uh New was a song by Talking Heads, and uh, it was introduced to me by a tutor at college who was absolutely mad on Talking Heads and a, a band called Orbital. I don't know how big Orbital are. Yeah, they're a big really. dance act. I've only I've, yeah, I've only ever heard one person talk about them, and it was um, I'll, I'll give him a shout out. His name was Alan Hall. Uh, he was my philosophy tutor at college, and he was uh, a great guy, and, and I had a lot of fun uh, with him he he did write his own songs and he, he did he, he gave me a cd of his songs and they're they're all right they're good but he he really rated talking heads and it was from that point when i was about 16 17 18 that kind of time frame where i thought right i need to go away i need to listen to talking heads and i never I did me a 10 years later uh, well the uh, b- best part of 14 years later i uh, it, it was Gareth that recommended this blu ray and I, I you know I, that's when when i went for it um but but yeah, this was the first Talking Heads song that I properly knew, um, and I think this is a really really good version. Uh, there's one thing that stuck out to me on this version is there's that there's an organ sound on it, and my granddad played the organ in the Albert Hall. Oh. Uh, yeah, and um, he was and so I I I think whenever I hear an organ, I I do. I, I feel a link to my granddad, and uh, that that was a big jump for me. It's like, oh, that's a nice addition to the song that isn't on the studio version. So it was, uh, it kind of it, it improved a song I was already very familiar with. But other than that, once in a lifetime, maybe kind of pride territory for me because I've um, I've heard it a bit too much, same
0: as it ever was. same as it ever was the thing i noticed on this Um, yeah i I do get that a sense and i assume i assume talking heads fans are kind of like they would see this as like a pride sort of song it's like yeah we know it and presumably everyone's gonna go wild for it but come on play one of the deep cuts um i really enjoyed in this version uh apart from the fact that he was wearing glasses which um, i think he looks really cool in um he was doing that thing where he hits his head and it seems almost like a link or a reference to you know when you have these um snake oil religious leaders who come out in america the the evangelicals who um have these mega churches and come out and say you know satan be gone and they bash people on the head and basically through a through a mixture of manipulation and psychology they end up making people have these sort of quote unquote religious experiences so they throw away their crutches and stuff like that um I don't know what you mean about that, but I've just bought some snake oil erectile dysfunction medicine, and uh, apparently it's going to work really well. Well, good. I mean, uh, I I would say keep me posted, but I I don't really want to know that much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I hope everything's well. I never
1: thought we'd get to that
0: point on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, start your own side podcast. Tyler on the rise. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's the main thing I noticed about this, and I really enjoyed that. And um, it's it's a great song. Sent me back to the video, which I think for the time was probably very intriguing and technically interesting to watch. Now, obviously, it's dated a bit with the computer graphics, but fantastic video, fantastic song. Um, Still not got sick of it yet. I assume over the next couple of years, and I get much more into talking heads, I'll eventually get sick of this song. But at the moment, I'm in the sweet spot, so I'm enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I'm in the sweet spot for Enjoy the Silence with Depeche yeah. Mode and I know that's going to end but I don't want it to because I love that song. You know, and I know that if you talk to Depeche Mode songs, oh yeah, he likes to Enjoy the Silence, he's not really a fan. I get that, but I just... I'm I i, I I'm at the minute trying not to listen to it because I don't want to get to the point which I got to with Pride in the Name of Love and Bullet in the Blue Sky with you 2 Um... Uh, one thing we've never asked our review to audience is what are their prides because because uh, they are like you just said they are the the kind of band that have done songs that you might not realize are U two so you know are there any other um, songs hmm. that they that that's their pride that's the song they're sick of hearing maybe it's one maybe it's where the streets of no Name, maybe it's where the I am a bit you know, sick of uh, nowadays sorry. No, oh, oh, still love it. On record, uh, I mean, on record, a little bit,
0: but live, I can, I, I'm happy. I can kind of do without it. I'm just checking. Yeah, we're past an hour. We can talk
1: about you two. <laughs> uh, anybody, <laughs> and anybody that's not interested in you two is uh, turned yep. off. Hello to the three people still so, listening. Um... So, <laughs> I would like to thank uh, Angela and Ian. <laughs> <laughs> and who
0: else? Who else have we got? Uh, well, I hope Gareth, considering Pul- he requested Pul- it.
1: Pults beat George Macaulay, that's four. There we go. Um, okay. Um, Ian. I've
0: oh, said right. Ian. Well that must be everyone. Um obviously I feel bad now, like yeah, we're yeah. not naming people who are who are who are hardcore listeners, you know.
1: Well, I hope Gareth is still listening considering he got a huge show that's t- what I said.
0: Anyway, let's stop this um this navel gazing and get on to uh Tom Tom Club which is everyone apart from um apart from burn who's got to go off and do a little sneaky wardrobe change i don't have very much to say about this song apart from how much i think how stupidly ludicrous but also really like i enjoyable that first line is what do you consider fun fun nasty fun it's so so weird
1: yeah, but what I took away from this this song is that I would really have liked to have a night out with that band. Yeah. In the 1980s. You know, you've um got uh, two very good vocalists who are the, the backing vocalists at this show, but I, I hope went on to have careers of their own because they're, they're very very good, uh, very uh Functional, very vibrant backing singers, uh, and you know
0: they—they've obviously burned the brass. Well, and... as the uh, as the drummer <laughs> says at the start, girls can do it too, which is just—it seems so patronizing, in my opinion. But um, but yeah, it was nineteen eighty. It's nineteen eighty four, though. You know, we've got I'm to
1: we've got somewhere. to you know appreciate we've got to appreciate the time. And this is this is I I, I never ever ever like talking about race. I never like talking about race, but and you know this, but you've got black and white people on this stage, men and women, both, all you know, everyone's having a great time. You can tell they're all having a great time together, and I, I just, I love that. It's, it's a lovely. Uh, I, 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 I know that the, the world of the eighties, even the nineties, and even the two thousands wasn't necessary. This isn't a snapshot of what life was like, no. but it's. Um, it's it's a beautiful uh, ensemble cast. This yeah, show, it is. and I think everybody works really well together. And uh, if only the world was more like was more like this. Sorry for getting political. I don't like it either. Um, but I, I I even without David Byrne, who must be slipping into something more comfortable, uh, th- this was a really good part of the show for me. That the energy didn't drop. Mm. It, everyone's still having fun and i've had many many nights watching this dvd uh last year and I, and I just feel like i know this band i feel like i'd really have a good time uh being out with this band maybe not now because they're all in the 70s but yeah. uh <laughs> but, but but there we go it was um in, in
0: 1984 i I wish i'd have been yeah. there and i think the the people on stage do represent a kind of you know an aspiration or an ideal of you know genders, races, everyone working together, enjoying the music. And I mean, we're obviously not living in incredibly enlightened times even now, but it's 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 I think this is such a aspirational document, you know, of what people can do when they do just let the music bind them all together. It's it's fantastic. And Talking Heads are a band who have used influences from particularly from African culture and I think rhythmically, even just rhythmically, that is so much to do with a big part of their sound. So I think I think this is something that we can we can see is, as as a really positive uh, document. Um, but I don't have anything more to well, say of one, genius one... of love. To be honest, I don't think it's that interesting. No, but one one
1: thing we haven't talked about, and one influence we haven't talked about uh, in this show is funk music. It's obviously very funky. David Byrne has a very funky way of playing yep. guitar. Uh, and that I, I for me, punk isn't black and isn't white. It punk is just something that, that that people of a certain era did, and uh, and it and it kind of ascended race. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but that's certainly the image I have uh, of funk music. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm happy to be educated. Well, I think it's a bit like it's a my... bit like
0: blues in terms of it comes initially. It has its roots in 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 well, in slave culture. To be honest, you know that sort of thing. It comes originally from a black place, but then obviously, as more people adopt it, it can be something that can be played by lots of different people. I think it's good to be aware of where something comes from, but also, I mean, I, I don't think it's ever healthy for someone to say you can't play that kind of music. I mean, I don't think people are saying that either, but
1: um, yeah. Now. Uh- well again i don't like getting political but I, i think we we have to get past the point of distinguishing between oh this is a black artist this is a white artist maybe people disagree with me though but i think we just i i think the goal is to get to the point where like we don't see that we don't see black and white we see human beings and we see people having a good time people being talented at a certain thing um I, I i hope I'm not wrong with that, and I hope I don't offend anybody well, don't with be, that. you
0: can be wrong about your own opinion, and I think this d v d does get closer to that that you know that thing where we're we're just focusing on having a great time so yeah
1: yeah yeah that that's the focus that's the focus anyway this song reminds me of um no one actually <laughs> uh it's it's track fourteen and its girlfriend is better mm. uh <laughs> The big suit has arrived, yeah, Johnny. Suit. I know in our
0: Christmas episode you were very intrigued about the big well, suit. It got such t- how ha- it got such high billing on the back of the DVD. You know, there's not very much <laughs> blurb on the back of that um Blu-ray DVD case or whatever it is. And um, you know, so I was just I just thought it was so funny, like the big suit. Like I thought, how big can this suit be? Well, it turns out quite large. Um Yeah, I
1: I was wondering as well when the, the big suit first turned. Out, I was wondering if there was any scaffold under I, it. I think there must be. You know, be. like uh, with um, Victorian yep. dresses, uh, Some whalebone. And I think it goes back further to like Elizabethan times, uh, where where they would would were a big metal scaffold underneath the dress, which must have been hellish yep. uh, to to try and um, pull off. Never mind put on, but it's. Uh, I think it becomes obvious later on that there is some scaffold underneath David Burns yeah. big suit. But I don't get the big suit. I'm not bothered about the big suit. In fact, I'm a little annoyed by the big suit. How do you feel about the big suit?
0: Well, I'm going to say big suit about about 20 more times. Um, I really like it. Um, because i think maybe yes after you've watched this dvd as many times as you've done maybe it can seem slightly gimmicky and it might be like oh have you seen that track where he has the big suit on this song doesn't need a gimmick either it doesn't need it because it's a fantastic song on its own and i wouldn't be thinking oh i, w- I really wish there was some sort of um, you know some sort of uh, clothing to make this more interesting like some large shoes or maybe a massive belt or something um but i i i just love him talking about it. He did a weird little version of um when I watched a a very quick 20-minute talking heads documentary on YouTube, there was a bit with David Byrne interviewing himself. He was playing both an interviewer, like a a kind of blonde ditzy interviewer, and playing himself in the big suit. And he was just going like, Well, I wanted my I wanted my body to appear big and my head to appear small. So I thought I would just make a big suit. And it's I like the simplicity of that. Just like he wanted something. He wanted his head to be small so then he just did it He's made this massive suit and it makes him look like a crazy cartoon man and it's worth it for the dancing i mean this is a great song to show someone who's never seen any talking heads because this the music is strong but also no one is gonna ignore <laughs> like you
1: four months yeah ago.
0: exactly exactly i mean I, I, <laughs> I love it and also i mean just imagine all the pens he can fit in that suit it's you know beyond our wildest dreams You'd never get a pocket protector that big. You might have to slide two together, yeah, perhaps, or maybe even three. Um, maybe, maybe an A4 wallet would do. Yes. Mm. <laughs> um, what do you think of the actual song? He's He's got
1: options. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um,
1: uh, I think I'm that bothered. I, I have no notes about the actual song, and I can't remember it. Uh, I remember the big suit. The thing that annoys me about the big suit is that it's obviously tailored to some degree. And, you know, if it was really going to be a big suit, the arms would be too long for David. But the arms are perfect, perfectly sized for him so well, he could see his arms. I
0: noticed in, the, um, that's what in I, the credits it say big... That's
1: what I take away. Big
0: suits um, make a fit of takeaway in each of the pockets. Um, he says, uh, Mr. Burns big suit built by Gail Blacker. So someone made it. It is tailored. It was it was a made thing. Um I, I, I like what, you it think, you think he just found it on the street of
1: course someone made it yeah but
0: well, I'm giving Gail a shout out
1: what a redundant comment it's almost as redundant as
0: our review of this song because we don't know about this song because we all, we're focusing on the big I, I, I do know the song I do know the song it's very intense um, you got Burn sing it sing it I got a girlfriend who's better than that you know that kind of thing it's that It's that. that kind of vibe and this is where he, this is where he bloody says start making sense start making sense
1: yeah. well okay
0: oh, i i, I um, love the song it's good and it's great on um it's great just um on the studio version as well i think there's also a moment where he points he's singing it into his microphone and then he looks down the camera and holds the microphone out to the camera you know as if the camera's gonna say something and it's another one of those interesting feels like a a a, a zoo tv type moment you know
1: yeah, it is. It is a big moment. I, I feel like the only the only person this entertained was David Byrne, though. Uh,
0: well, I've I've played this to people and they they love the suit action. They can't get enough of it. Well, I know a lot of your friends, and I'm
1: sceptical about that last statement.
0: <laughs> Track number fifteen. Take me to the river. Now, this is a cover, if I'm not much mistaken um of an al green song isn't it i think maybe maybe i should have. maybe not i should definitely have checked that before we started recording here we go yes it's written by al green and uh guitarist mabon teeny hodges um and it's been covered a lot of times i think this is a this is a good version of it obviously reinterpreting it and um it's yeah it's nice to have something a bit more laid back um I think they they add some futuristic sounds to what um, would have been more of a laid back traditional song. Um, yeah, I've I've not got a massive amount to say about this apart from uh, just David Byrne when he had his when he had his big pants on but not his jacket and that red hat on. He just and he's wiggling his like big bum around. He just reminded me of Trump. But um, apart from that, I've not got anything to, <laughs> to say really. Let's well, not mention. We don't need to mention him every episode. More, we get no. him in there. For another four years until he gets re-elected, um, yeah. But anyway, I don't have much yeah, to say about ooh. about this version. It's cool. It's nice. I, I, I. To be honest, I, I prefer hearing more just pure talking head stuff.
1: It, it's very late in the day to do a cover, yeah, isn't it? Uh, but again, that brings me back to Zoo TV with McPhisto and u two, uh, and I, I do feel like making a distinction that with. Um, uh can't help falling in love with you it's inter- you know that's interesting for me to do a cover so late in the day I, d- I don't know if i was to put together a track listing for or a playlist for a live
0: concert i'm not sure i'd put a cover this late I, on i think Would it's you? maybe just because when they launch into cross-eyed and painless when that properly gets going it's a very intense song and I think maybe they're just doing this kind of cover because it's a bit more laid back.
1: You think it's a Let Me Up? Perhaps it's too late for a Let Me Up. Surely, unless this isn't the whole track list, because this this concert was recorded over four yes. days. I don't um, think it is.
0: A, I don't think we've got the entire track list. I think there was a couple of other songs, um, apparently extra songs, including Cities and Big Business, were recorded. Um, so, yeah, I guess so. I mean, this this is a song that has been covered by a
1: lot of people. It seems like uh, Annie Lennox, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, the Dave Matthews Band, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Caught in Love. Um, you know, it, the Talking Heads version is obviously the most prominent of 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 those, but it seems to be a song that has had a lot of um, a lot of attempts at, reinventing it so yeah i don't know i just it's for me it just seems a bit strange like the uh, second to last track you've not done bonuses no. have you good <laughs> right because uh, i haven't either um yeah i just the second to last track a cover not not really what i go for the don't get me wrong the energy keeps the, the energy keeps up the energy's all the way yeah. through this and i th- i think this is a relatively short show uh, 88 minutes I think it's 88 minutes yeah it minutes. doesn't overstay its um, welcome which is good
0: it's very, it was very difficult to pick a no, um, pick a uh, dirty day for this very hard yeah yeah
1: I, I agree there's no obvious that. song that you think um, skip that one yeah um, I just don't my only problem is as I've said I don't think I'd choose a cover to be the second to last yeah, track
0: fair enough I agree.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Track 16, cross-eyed and painless, um, a big bloody jam to finish. Yeah. That's what i said. It starts
0: out with that nice, calm, almost, well, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but it reminded me of like, almost like a Santana kind of relaxed, laid back start. But then when the drums kick in, and it speeds up. It's so much better than the, um, like, I, I like the record version a lot, but I, I prefer this a lot more live. It's really good.
1: It goes, it goes, it goes to a lot of places. Mm. Uh, it goes all over the place. I don't know what the track. Uh, I don't have the normally I have the track um, times written down, but I I don't have this. Well, this the one. original version uh, is not four minutes forty
0: eight, and on the um the live version, it's oh maybe I don't have it. I think it's about five minutes odd. Maybe about five minutes forty or something. But well, I don't know. I might be wrong. though. Sorry. I'll have a quick look. I'll have a quick look. Well, while, uh, while you're having a quick
1: look. It is 7 minutes oh 15. God, a lot longer
0: seven
1: than I Fair enough. Um, but what really stuck me up is the image of the band at this point. They've just played 88 minutes of absolute hits. They're all drenched in sweat. All still... None of them look particularly tired but you know what an energetic show we've just seen in just just over an Mm. hour nearly an hour and a half of 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 music and they're really still going for it they're still like still it's like they're trying to appeal to our senses like we're the best band you've ever Mm. seen and that really makes a difference to me and how i how i look at the band because they never ever let up there's not really aside from the two tracks, which uh, which were naive melody. What was Was the proper this title? This must be I've the right, place. i have written that down wrong. It's proper title. This must be the place. Brackets naive melody and once in a lifetime, which is track eleven and twelve of sixteen. They never really let up. That that's the only downtime that you get. Tracks eleven and twelve are the only downtime you get. And then by the time you get to sixteen, it's like man, this band has done. Everything to try and entertain us, and I think that's—I think that's absolutely astounding. And you just—you can't help but feel appreciative and and feel thankful towards the and band.
0: He's an, he's credited um, as a songwriter, so thank you, Brian.
1: They they yeah, but Brian's not on stage, is he? so he can sod off, frankly, <laughs> right? And uh, he's they must be exhausted. Uh,
0: and but they just keep going, and they're going, they're going hard. They're and playing they this keep, song They hard, keep having man. this bit where they're going, I'm still waiting, and then you know they, and then they reprise that, which is I love the fact that they have the last song, and they keep they they're saying I'm still waiting, and then they do you know they keep going into it again and again. The drums, you know, stop and then start again. It's fantastic.
1: But the reason I appreciate this energy is because. When you're at a gig and you sense that it's coming to an end, the energy kind of comes up because you're like, "Oh, I better start appreciating this." You know, it can get a bit lackluster in, like, say, songs five yep. to ten. It's like, "Oh, well, I've, got I've, I know this. I'm going to relax now because there's there's time to go." But when once once it starts. Once you start realising, okay, this this gig, this gig has gone on for a bit now and it's not going to go on forever, then people start to realise it and then they start to not want it to end. And the band aren't letting up. And that's what really gets me about this song. And it's, um, it's a class act. And the ultimate class act is bringing the stage crew on, who are every bit as part of this show, as every as every member of the band bringing the the stage yep. crew on that the stage hands on is just the yeah you guys are cool you get it you know and and i and i got it and i because i was watching for those stage hands and watching what they were doing watching what changes they were making to the stage throughout uh which was particularly through the first uh four or five songs uh, so I just thought that was a really class act to give those guys the chance to come on stage and and get a round of applause from the crowd. Who we see finally? Uh, yeah, you know who we and we should see them like giving credit because if you watch a band that's got four members, if you go and watch a band that's got four members, there's twenty people easily behind the stage that are contributing. Every bit as much as the lead singer or the, or the lead guitarist, and and that's just that's tip just of the a iceberg, fact. Basically, it's something we the band yeah, is a tip of yeah. the iceberg. And I I love this. I love how modern this still seems. Nineteen eighty four and David Byrne and the rest of Talking Heads, they got it. They understood it. And there's there's something in this that that still isn't. As influential as this show has been, there's something in this that hasn't really transcended to all live gigs. And um, you two, at the end of each gig, will f- thank the women and men of the crew, and that's an exact quote. But they don't bring them on stage.
0: Too busy, too busy bringing you know? fans on stage. Well, yeah, I'd rather
1: see the crew than I'd rather the fans. See the crew than Gareth, you
0: know. As in, not our... our not our lister Gareth. That little kid, Gareth. Just to, be, just to clarify. Gareth! Gareth! Yeah, that, that kid. I've not done that well, impression that Id- since we... That Gareth. idiot you put on Bono's shirt. He was 10 in, years um... old.
1: He was 10 years old. How, how old would he be now? It's like six, 16 years later? I hope he's not. Uh, he'd been... Uh, yeah, I assume he's not. He's got to be 26 years old. No, like, you know, like... I, yeah, I feel sorry about taking the mick out of him. but the guy from... From yeah. Paris... <laughs> like... Come on if you're gonna be on a, a YouTube you know you know the recording that night and you behave like that then you deserve all the criticism that comes to you personally speaking but um but yeah absolutely amazing show and it finishes in such a classy way that it it's no wonder that this dVD blu-ray youtube download whatever you however you choose to watch it this is a masterclass in how to perform to a yeah. to an audience um that they, they got they get the band over and 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 they get they, i'm not just saying that they get the band over to to Talking Heads fans they got the band over to me who only knew one or two Talking Heads tracks didn't really know I, I would be interested in, in Talking Heads but somebody said watch this fine went and bought it and I, and I went and watched and I went and watched this and I was amazed I was gobsmacked and I went right johnny needs to watch this and we need to review this not that we're experts on anything but just because i knew that you would like it and i think that the people that listen to this show regularly will like yeah, it i
0: hope we spread um spread i mean uh, spread more awareness like i mean I imagine so many listeners thinking yeah we know we've, we've known about this for ages but but there we go we, we yeah. didn't know about it and um we i guess we're tr- trying to spread the love as much I- as possible
1: we're now with those people that have known this show for years that how how does everyone not know how is it not taught in schools like uh, okay like you you 14 year olds you've just joined a band well watch this DVD how's that not part of, part of the curriculum you're a teacher Johnny let me know how how's, how do we get this to Boris Johnson how do we get this on the on the curriculum well,
0: every time i try and play my students something they always roll their eyes i tried to play them some raging against the machine the other day cuz i was teaching them about protest songs and they said it was horrifying
1: i feel like i'd get along with your students yeah
0: well i mean look i've played them i've played them u2 at the bbc as well i played them you know uh the start of you know when bono comes out for beautiful day because we were doing uh, reviews again no not interested um i think i'm just out of touch but maybe tomorrow i'll hit a couple of classes with a bit of uh, girlfriend is better and i'll say look he's wearing a big suit and you know they'll probably roll their eyes um what was um, <laughs> what was your sweetest thing tyler the best song uh for you my uh, uh, um you're going to have to
1: remind me the full track again. Uh Naive Melody <laughs> this must be the place. blew me away completely. That was This must yeah, be the that place. was a
0: contender for me. I think depending on what mood I'm in, it's either Burning Down the House or this must be the place. But I'll say Burning Down the House to be definitive. Um oh and um could you what's your You see, I I, I already I already knew Burning
1: Down the House, so you know, that's why, you know Naive melody. It's a new experience. I, I will tweet a I will tweet a picture of Tina. Is it Tina? Miss Tina. Of yeah. Tina. Tina looking at the band with that smile and it will fill your heart with joy and warmth. Can I also give
0: a uh, shout out um, sorry to interrupt Ali, but can I give a shout out to Neil um, at YouTube uh, U2 then and now? Um, he's done a really good job of putting together all of the Tummel sweetest things. Uh, I assume he's not going to do all the um, like the worst ofs as well, although I guess that would be quite funny in a way. When's he do- when's he done this? Uh, when's well, he, he sent this? us a message about this on on Twitter because um, we I think it was during our little holiday that we had from social media, um, and I'm going to publish it on the I'm going to put it on the Twitter feed because he's updated it now for all of the episodes for Tummel so far, and. It's really interesting to have a look at it. It's a bit like a stroll down memory lane. It reminded me how long we've done Tummel for. Um, So, if you want to follow that, it's called the playlist is called Review Two Tummel Sweetest Things, Um, and you can follow uh, Neil Neil's playlist there. He's at uh, Neilio. Two, that's one word nearly 02 and there's 33 songs two hours 34 minutes of what we would consider probably some of the best music on the planet I guess and it's really interesting to look back through looking at Kraftwerk, Daft Punk, the Jezebels everyone it's it's lovely so um, if you want to listen to some really good music uh, recommended by us then there we go so what was your dirty day for this one Tyler mine was um, take me to the river not because it's bad but just because it, it wasn't a you know a genuine uh, talking head song and it was it was fine, but I could you know it's okay.
1: Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, but the one that really annoyed me was uh, found a job because I wanted to I wanted to get into the show. Um so uh either or for me, but I'm gonna go with Found a Job. Fair enough. So early today, we did uh, we did ask for some Twitter comments, uh, love it or hate it, about stop making sense. Long time listener Paul Speed said, "This was the release that truly associated David Byrne as a multifaceted artist, singer, lyricist, songwriter, producer, storyteller, director, musician, filmmaker, conceptual artist, performer, and abstract dancer." Um completely agree with that. however, I wouldn't just limit that to David Byrne. I think every single person on stage, particularly the four members of uh talking heads, really had an impact on how big, how important this show was. Um, so you know thank you for 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 that pulse beat. We yep. myself and Johnny don't didn't really know much about it. And uh, that brings some context that we otherwise wouldn't have known. Um, we also had um, Angela Pancella. We've been a bit worried through this review that we're the last people to come to this, this, um, this show. But Angela Pancella, who I'm sure has heard of uh, Talking Heads and knows Talking Heads, had had never seen it, although she'd always wanted to, and that she plans to watch it this, this following weekend. The same with uh, long-time listener Jeff Morton. And... Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's interesting that this seemed Talking Heads seemed to be the kind of band because I had the same reaction. That Ten years it took me to actually start listening to to Talking Heads, even though I had a, an interest in them. So it's um, it, it's good that good we're not alone and it. we're not the only. Yeah, we're not the only people that uh, you know. We're not the only last people listening to it. Almost forty years on, uh, and and hopefully we can introduce those and a few more
0: people as well.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Anything else? You, anything else you need from me?
0: No, no. Uh, I think uh, I think we've we've done uh, you know a nice, slick, very tight, nearly two hours on uh, on Talking Heads, and <laughs> um, maybe do you want to give us a little teaser for what's coming up next time, um, whenever that may be? Maybe. I don't know why I can't speak now. Um, We're
1: going to jump ahead uh, almost exactly 10 years um, to a band that has been recommended to us since the very, very early days of Review 2. Uh, It's a band that hails from several streets away from where Johnny currently lives. Uh, A place that has become very comfortable for the both of us when we can actually get together. Uh, A place called Burnage in South Manchester and it's where Noel and Liam Gallagher come from with Oasis. So next time we are going to
0: review the
1: debut album What's the Story, Morning Glory?
0: Yep, so get your city shirts out, get a can of Stella, get ready for some Union Jacks and Cool Britannia, and some swaggery walks as we do Oasis later on. I'm, 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 I'm kind of excited about this one, but I won't, I won't, I'll keep my powder dry for now. Yeah, uh, I hope it's a day like today, and we'll see you
1: in the sunshine! <laughs> Until next time, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next month. Thanks a lot. See you later. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Review 2, the U2 podcast. If you'd like to get in contact or for more information, please follow us on Twitter at REV underscore U2 or on Facebook.com forward slash REV U2 to you. For those rebel type guys, why not email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Review 2 was presented by Johnny and Tyler.